So welcome, Nicholas Yarmy, to our podcast at Buffalo Trail Public Schools. We're excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. So first of all, you are a research associate with, a, with the University of Lethbridge. Can you tell me what is amazing about this job? There's a lot of amazing things about my job, actually. I, I love my job. Um, I think the best thing about it is how much freedom and flexibility I have. So my boss is a researcher. He's a professor at the university. Um, he teaches courses and runs this research institute that I'm part of. And so he kind of has big picture ideas of what he's interested in researching and what he has money to, you know, to spend on researching. And then he, you know, gives me broad direction, but then it's up to me to figure out kind of exactly what I'm going to do and how I'm going to research. And so I have a lot of agency over what I do day to day, which I love. So what are you researching currently? We are trying to understand how um, the environment and people's health and well-being are related, specifically in Alberta. So we are looking at how um, basically what we choose to do um, whether that's, you know, economic development or resource extraction. Um, we're looking at how the things we do as humans affect the environment and how the environment goes on to affect us as humans as well. Well, that sounds very interesting. So how do you go about the research to find out whether what we're doing impacts our health and well-being? Mm, well, it's obviously a really big question and super, it super is. complex. Yeah. I mean, researchers have been looking at it for decades. Um, what I specifically look at is of what's called environmental justice, which is the study of how there's people who tend to benefit from the environment and there's people who tend to not benefit as much from the environment. So if you think of, let's say, um, a company creates a mine, they create profit by extracting resources from the from the earth, probably the person who benefits the most from that is the CEO of the mining company. Like that person probably makes the most money, but that person isn't necessarily the person who experiences the day-to-day -day impacts, any of the negative impacts that come along with mining. That's actually tends to be borne by the people who live near the mine, perhaps some people who work in the mine if it's dangerous, um, people who might live downstream of water that goes past the mine and so on and so forth. So I'm looking at how that unequal distribution of the goods and the bads, right? Who gets the goods and who gets the bads? That's what I'm interested in studying. Okay, well, that all sounds fascinating. And then what happens with your the results of your research when you find out that there is an unequal distribution? It, it can depend. Our specific project, we're looking to work really closely with municipalities in Alberta. So we want to be able to give them the tools to use to make better decisions that affect the lives of the people who live in their communities. So we've already been working with some people, lots of people around like the Battle River watershed, which is kind of Camrose Wainwright area. Um, we've been, yeah, working with different people in economic development in that area, in municipalities and counties. And so we're hoping for our research to be able to give them the tools to be able to you know, look at the data and make informed decisions about this kind of thing. So how do you end up a student who graduated from Wainwright to uh, being a research associate at the University of Lethbridge? Walk us through that. 
Yeah, well, growing up, I was always really interested in science. I loved science. Um, I loved being outside. And when I graduated from high school, I didn't really know what I was going to do, probably as most high schoolers don't. Um, I knew I liked science. So I thought, okay, I'll study science. That'll be the first step. And I decided to go to the U of A's Augustana campus in Camrose, which is their smaller campus. Uh, there's only about a thousand students there. So I thought that's great. Um, it's a little bit more like Wainwright, a bit more like home, not as daunting as going to the big city, um, going to the Edmonton campus where there's 40,000 students or whatever it is, right? So I go to Augustana, I decide to study environmental science because it was kind of the broadest of all the sciences. You do a little bit of physics, a little bit of chemistry, a little biology and so on. So I thought, okay, that's great. Um, I'll take a little bit of everything because I don't really know for sure what I want to do anyway. So I studied environmental science, ended up loving it, stayed with it to the end. And during that time, I think it, so it would have been after my second year of university, I got a job as a research assistant with a professor at the university. So it was a professor who taught a couple of the courses that I took, kind of got to know her, um, got to chatting. She was putting out a job offer for one summer and of what would have it, I got the job and you know did research with her for the four months that we have off in the summer and loved it. Went back for a second summer doing the same job, loved it still. And from there, it just kind of, you know, things just kind of evolve and happen as they do. I, I finished undergrad. I did a bit of traveling, did a bit of working, decided it was time to go back to school. So I got my master's, um, moved out to Connecticut in the Northeastern United States, did my master's there and, you know, continued to do research during that time, came back to Canada after I was finished, worked not in research for a while, and then eventually got this job at the University of Lethbridge. So it's a long winding path to where I ended up today. Okay, interesting. Well, I'm glad to hear that you said you are loving it. So you, yeah. I think you ended up where you should be. And it's interesting you said too, you started out in Camrose because you wanted, you know, that comfort of home, that smaller place. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you picked up and moved to the United States. And I know. So yeah. why, why Connecticut for your master's? It actually just happened that I had my eyes peeled for different master's programs and opportunities that might come up. If I see something that looks good, I'll apply and then just see what happens. So I applied for maybe three different programs. I think one was in Colorado, one was in Connecticut, one was somewhere else. Um, and they just happened to be um, master's programs where they just needed a student to come do it. So it was basically like, We've got money, we'll pay you. Um, you don't have to pay for tuition. Just if you can, if you're qualified to do this research, come down and do it. So I applied for this one. It was the third one I had applied to. The professor was looking to research what people think about bears. So in Connecticut, there's a lot of bears that um, have gotten quite tame. And so they'll come up onto people's deck. They'll eat out of their garbage cans. They'll eat out of their bird feeders. Um, they'll even go into people's cars if they leave food in them like parked in the driveway they'll look out and there's a bear in their car like tearing the inside to shreds so this was a project to study what people were thinking about that and what was going on and what we should do about it so I applied and got it and thought just decided you know what it works out I'm ready to do something it's funded um, it's a full ride scholarship why not yes 
that's an incredible opportunity for students to know that there are full tuition scholarships Completely. available. Yeah. And more than one, it sounds like, because you apply mm -hmm. to three places. Yeah, okay. absolutely. That's great. Well, I want to ask you about researching, because when I think of the research that I need to do for my papers or things, I sit in front of my computer all day. But you're talking about watersheds, you're talking about mines, you're talking about bears. Mm -hmm. In your research, do you get outside then? Surprisingly, no. I do. All my research has been inside. Almost all my research has been inside. Um, the research I did during my undergrad was amazing. The and I did get to go outside because I was researching beavers. And so I got to spend a lot of time outside up to my waist in ponds, digging through mud. Um, but the all of the other research jobs I've had have just been behind the desk. So I do a lot of work with data and data analysis. And I don't necessarily, for my job now, I don't go out into the field and collect data. I'm usually using data that other people have been collecting for quite some time. So. I use a lot of public data sets that are just already out there, you know, the government of Alberta, the government of Canada, they have all these data sets that are already collected. So I do most of my work with that. And then when I was studying bears, I didn't actually see a bear the entire time I was in Connecticut, because my research was actually on the people and what they think about the bears. So I did that by um, sending out a survey by the mail. Um, as well, I interviewed people and did focus groups and talked to police officers and wildlife managers and town councillors and residents. So I was out, you know, I got to go out and see a lot of people. For me, going to the field was going to a, a library to meet with someone or something like that. Okay, interesting, because you said earlier you loved being outside. Mm -hmm. So you ended up in environmental studies and now you seem to be behind a desk. I know, yeah. So And to be honest, sorry, just to add yeah. to that. Um, yeah. A lot of people who might want to go into environmental science may likely start out doing work in the field. So, you know, being outside doing surveys or counting wildlife or measuring water quality or whatever. Um, but as you stay in the field and potentially move up, you'll probably find less and less time you can spend outside in the field. They tend to be, um, yeah, it's just kind of the nature of it. As you get higher up, you tend to be more behind a desk. Yeah. So I'm wondering about the data sets and the stats that you uh, spend some time looking at. High school math come in handy? Yeah, honestly, it does so much of my work is math. And it's great because I love it. I've always, I've always like done well at math. I, didn't, I wouldn't say I liked it, but I was good at it. Going through school and taking a bunch of different courses in like calculus and statistics and stuff like that. I've really come to love and appreciate math. And, and I do a lot of computer programming as well with my job. So um, oh, I do coding and that's like almost all math based. Like you need to have a really good grasp of math um, to make that stuff work. So yeah, high school math all the time. So if you were to give some advice to students, um, if they were listening to this and were at all interested in being a researcher and what you're doing, what advice would you give them? Don't sort of get your mind too set on one thing. Keep your options open. Keep your mind open. There are so many jobs out there and so many lines of work. You know, don't just don't confine yourself to maybe the jobs you know or the jobs you've seen um, or what you think you might like or what other people tell you you'd be good at. Like, 
really ask yourself, like, what are the things that I enjoy doing? And what, what am I curious about? What do I want to, what do I want to learn more about? Right. And then if you can volunteer or ask someone questions, you know, if you see, um, if you see a job that sounds interesting to you, like maybe you can ask that person about it or you can volunteer or shadow them. Like a lot of it, you don't know until you try. If you asked me in grade 12, I would never in a million years have been able to predict where I was going to end up. Yes. I think it's probably one of those jobs that you absolutely didn't know existed. No, no way. I just kind of fell, you know, step-by-step fell into it. Yeah. So I'm, I want you to think back to high school. Would there be barriers that we need to remove so our students are aware of these opportunities? Yeah, kind of like I said, I think the biggest one is just what we're aware of and what we're exposed to. Yeah, when I was in high school, I never really knew what I wanted to do. I don't know if like, I don't even know what I want to do now. You know, I'm doing something and I like it. But like, you know, when when I was younger, if someone said like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, it was kind of like, I don't know. I never, I've never really known. Um, But I think that's okay. Um, you know, I've turned out fine. It, it's okay not to know. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest barrier is just not just get one idea in your head and think that's what I've got to do. I've got to go point A to point B. I've got to go to school. I've got to get a job. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that linear. Absolutely. Times have definitely changed in that because I know they my have. parents, yeah, my parents, my mm-hmm. dad was in education for 35 years and that's what he did but now we change careers six or seven yeah yeah and nowadays like if you go get your undergrad you get a bachelor's of science or a bachelor of arts or what have you that doesn't prepare you for any one job or one line of work at all um i would say all of the jobs i've ever applied to in my life and i've applied to tons and tons of jobs um have the requirement has been like a bachelor of degree in environmental science or biology or a related discipline. Yeah, you're not locked in by any means by what you choose for your undergrad. Well, that is good advice for our students to have. I want to go back to the comment you made, you applied to lots of jobs. Mm -hmm. Because people need to know that quite often we don't apply and are successful in every single job opportunity. Oh, yeah. So what, what yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that's also kind of a misconception too. Like, I remember a lot of times going through school, people ask, oh, you know, like, what job are you going to get with that? And it's kind of like, well, for one thing, you don't really get to pick a job. You have to apply for jobs. (laughs) And then you probably accept the first one you get. Like, after my undergrad, I applied for, I don't know, 50, 80 jobs. I think I got two interviews, which I didn't get either of those jobs. The third interview I got, um, and this was after easily six months of applying for jobs, the third interview I got, I was offered and I took it. So it's not like I put all these jobs in a lineup and just got to pick my favorite one, right? Right. (laughs) You got to take what you can get. Absolutely. That's a big, I think that's a big misconception. You have to apply for everything that you're even remotely qualified for, remotely interested in, and then you have to interview if you're lucky enough to get an interview and then you can decide if you want to take that job or not. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't just fall into place. No. <laughs> yes, I love that advice. So with that, what did you learn with, um, like you're applying to a lot of jobs. You're, it takes work to do that. What yeah. advice do you have for our students who are out there and 
will be applying for jobs? Definitely um, do your best when you're looking at a job description, really try to understand what the job is and what they're looking for. So read the job description really carefully. And then they usually have bullets that say, you know, desired qualifications or desired experience. Go through those bullets and think, okay, for every single bullet, what do I have that relates to that? How can I relate that to what I've done? And then when you write your cover letter, you have to write a new cover letter for every job. You can't use the same one every single time. Like, don't just make a generic cover letter. Um, I know it's a lot of work, but you do have to alter it and edit it for whatever job you're applying to. And think, okay, so how can I show them that I meet all of these things that they list out in the bullet, right? And make it really obvious, right? You're lucky if someone will glance at your cover letter for 10 seconds, right? No one wants to read that whole pile of resumes. So make sure it's very obvious, you know, like I have done this or use the same words even that they use. If they say, we're looking for someone who's qualified in blah, blah, blah software, like make sure you use that word of the software in your cover letter because some jobs now they use like a computer to match if you've mentioned the keywords that are in their job description, they'll filter you out. You know, sometimes it's just a computer that's filtering people out whether or not you've included those keywords from the job description. Right. So yeah, really just try to make it specific to the job. That is another piece of great advice. So I have a question back to, uh, to what you're doing and what experiences you've had. What's your biggest aha moment in your research? There's so much data that's been collected over the last few decades. You know, people have mon been monitoring species and what the water and the air and the weather and, you know, everything, right? We have data on everything, but there, we don't have as many people who are able to take that information and boil it down into what matters and then actually make decisions or actually do something with that information. We have a lot of people who are really good at collecting information, but we don't have a lot of people who are good at solving problems with that. That's why what I do matters to me is because I really, at the end of the day, I care about making the my community, my province, Canada, the world better with what we're doing right now. And we can, we have all that information. We just need people who can distill it and understand it and communicate it and actually make some changes. Great. And I love your response because I was going to ask you next about what contributions do you feel you've made? And you said at the beginning, your work, you study the environment and how that impacts health and well-being. So what mm -hmm. contributions do you feel you've made to that area? Well, research moves really slowly. And I'm still pretty early in it. I've only been at it for a year, year and a half. I made an app that is like a public facing website where people can go and view all these different data sets and see them mapped out in Alberta. So if you're curious about like um, asthma, you can see, okay, what's the asthma prevalence like across Alberta? Okay, then maybe we want to see um, what air quality is like, you know, are those, do those things line up? Um, and it had all this public data pulled into one place. And so I like coded this website, which is really cool. And uh, eventually we're working towards rolling it out to be uh, a resource that people can use and that municipalities can use and stuff like that. So I actually do have something to show for my work, which is pretty, um, pretty cool for this early on in research. Absolutely. So you have created an app. 
Will I be able to download it soon then on my iPhone? It's not, it's not like public yet, but yeah, I mean, eventually it will just be a, a public resource like, um, because all this data is, you know, a hundred different data sets at a hundred different websites and they're all in a different format. And, you know, it's just like such a nightmare to get all this onto one place. So that's what I've been doing. It's a big part of my job. Um, and so now we're hoping to make it easier for people to, um, you know, if we're making decisions about economic development or health, like where should we put, where should we put resources in for community planning? Well, you can look at this app and see, um, okay, like if we want to look at Wainwright, like what should our priorities be? We can see where Wainwright's doing the best and where it's doing the worst. So maybe that will give us an idea of where we should target our efforts. And, and it's for all of Alberta. So we're hoping to get that in the hands of people. That's a huge um, accomplishment to be able to do that. Because quite often, I think we go by our feelings and what we think. Yes, completely. Or, yeah, or find one data set and not look mm -hmm. at the range of everything. Totally. Yeah, and it's nice. This um, it kind of forces you to think about all of the aspects of it too. You know, rather than just thinking, okay, let's make a decision about employment. So we can look at the employment data, but if right beside the employment data we also have all these other data, then maybe you might think, oh, you know what, like, like not just employment, but what about like what's the income like, or what's the housing like, or what's poverty, and what you know, all these. There's you know a hundred other things you could think of than just employment. Um, and so if it's right there beside it on the website, maybe we can help people kind of broaden their thinking about some of these things. Okay. Could you be a consultant for a private company? Yeah, I actually, I do. Yeah, I consult as well. Um, so part of my time, I work at the University of Lethbridge um, and I'm just a regular staff on payroll there. And then part of my time, I'm an independent consultant and I just do like freelance work. Um, so I've got two gigs on right now. One of them is for a researcher at the University of British Columbia. Um, and one of them is for a consulting company here in Edmonton uh, where I used to work actually. And they needed someone to come in and do some data analysis and um, you know, develop a survey and help them out with this stuff. And so they knew that that was up my alley and they just kind of reached out like, hey, would you be interested in doing this for 10 hours a week or whatever for a couple of months? And so I kind of just, that's how I fill in the rest of my time. Great. Sounds like you've come a long way from sending out 80 resumes to now. People I know. To you. I know. It's really nice. So now I'm yeah. in a position actually where I turn down work, which is pretty right. amazing. So has COVID changed uh, your work a little because you, you're researching for NBC? I'm assuming you're doing it from your living room. Or it's always remote. The stuff that I do um, would have been remote, COVID or not. Um, the work that I do at the University of Lethbridge, a lot of it is with this larger um, partnership of researchers from BC, Alberta, New Brunswick, and New Zealand. And so we've been working remote since before COVID and we will be working remote after COVID. Okay. So is there an opportunity to visit New Zealand in the future? Uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Get some hands-on experience. Absolutely. And if the opportunity comes, I will definitely be going to visit. Well, then thank you, Nick, for joining us on our podcast. We know that uh, by listening to you, students will be inspired to try new things and be brave and be bold. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me.